This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover 2. This is Dan Kadar, of course. I'm joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how are you? Good, Dan. How's it going? Very good. Normally this time we are living in the afterglow of the NFL scouting combine, but that was canceled this year, so instead... The Browns uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski and general manager Andrew Barry did virtual calls with the media. Now, Nate, I've been off work the last couple of days when the when those calls happened. So full admission, I listened to all of Stefanski. I listened to most of Barry, and then, quite frankly, I think I was getting tacos at the time. So. Um, I, I, but I know pretty much everything that was said, which is to say, to me, at least just listening, they didn't really say much of anything at all. Um, so we we are going to go through what they talked about, and and maybe I'm wrong thinking they they didn't have anything to say at all. But from from the two press conferences, what was your your biggest takeaway? Well, Dan, I think your analysis is right. You know, they, they're they brilliant guys, and they don't want to reveal a lot, and they don't. But NFL GMs and head coaches speak at the Combine every year, and because there is no Combine this year, we did these Zooms instead, and, and that's happening league-wide. My biggest kind of takeaway from really Andrew Barry I have said on this podcast at least a couple times in previous episodes that I thought that they were leaning toward doing the contract extension with Baker Mayfield this offseason. And after hearing Barry again this week, I'm leaning even more that way. Now, I'll kind of walk you through my logic here, Dan, but... I want to start by saying when I cover a GM and when I cover a head coach, I I need to learn them. I need to learn their tendencies. I need to learn what they will say, what they won't say, and Mm -hmm. why. And although I knew Andrew Barry a little bit from before when he was the vice president of player personnel from 2016 to 2018, that was like a once a year media availability so i really didn't know much about him even though i knew who he was and he was you know always very impressive when he spoke and you know it it seemed like he had a really bright future but i just i didn't know kind of his tendencies in dealing with the media from those very rare opportunities but now i think there's a couple things that i understand about him and 
the one that really applies to this this situation is he just will not talk business. He will not talk the business of football in these press conferences. Um, he will not talk the business of football really with anybody except for the player and the player's agents. And he just kind of has that as like uh, a code that he lives by. And it, it was so glaring the other day when he spoke and he was asked right off the bat about a formality, a foregone conclusion, basically something that has become procedural when it comes to Baker Mayfield, and that's picking up his fifth-year option. He would not even say, yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm planning to do it. Obviously, we want to do that. He would not He would not go there with something that is a no-brainer just because mm. that's his stance on talking the business of football. Uh-huh. He said, I think you know me well enough that that's not something I'll really talk about publicly. And now I do know him well enough, and I do understand that that is his stance I think he reluctantly said last year about Miles Garrett and David Njoku something like, yeah, I plan on it when he was asked about the fifth-year option. Well, he's not saying that, and it doesn't mean he's not picking up the fifth-year option for Baker Mayfield. Like I said, that's become a foregone conclusion. But I just think all this shows – that he's just not going to say anything when it comes to it. So he's certainly not going to say anything when it comes to the contract extension talk. But what he is saying and how he's saying it are the (laughs) things that you say about a quarterback whose contract you want to extend. And I thought the compliments about Baker Mayfield were even stronger in this media availability media availability with Andrew Barry than they were right after the season. And I'll give you a couple of quick examples. Okay. One, he said that, um, you know, basically I, I actually asked him a question about the wild quarterback carousel in the NFL and what does it do for you as a GM and the Browns as an organization not to have to get involved in that craziness you know, it's not their number one focus. For so many years, Dan, they would have been right in the thick of it, right? They would have been sure. sticking their nose right in the fray and Deshaun Watson this and Russell Wilson that and Carson Wentz here and, um, you know, whoever else I'm missing off the top of my head. Um, they're not in that. And he said that, you know, until you have that baseline of winning level quarterback play, it's very difficult to make progress in the NFL and you and you feel like you're basically operating in neutral. And he said that's something that's certainly not lost on us. And it's, def, it's, it's definitely not lost on this organization. I thought that was a, a great compliment to Baker Mayfield. Like, hey, we realize we have a good thing with Baker, that we're not chasing our tails with all this quarterback craziness. That is the translation of what he said there. And then another thing, he said, you know, he pointed out Baker's the first quarterback to lead this team in the playoffs forever, first playoff victory forever. And then he didn't just talk about the three full-time head coaches, the three play callers, and the three playbooks that Baker's had since they drafted him 
first overall in 2018. But Stefanski's, uh, I'm sorry, not Stefanski, Barry said about Baker, he's risen above it all. I mean, that's a huge compliment when you consider all the chaos, dysfunction, instability, turnover, lack of continuity, throw all those adjectives out there. To say that he's risen above it all is a tremendous compliment. That, to me, is a guy you want to extend sooner than later. And like I said in a previous episode too, Dan, the last time Andrew Berry talked, I think he dropped a hint when he said that really Baker's contract situation is on the same trajectory that Miles Garrett's was last year. And that he picked up the fifth-year option of Garrett before the, the early May deadlines, May 3rd. And then he went ahead and extended Garrett July 15th, I believe was the date. It was mid-July to that huge contract extension. So I mm-hmm. think that's where we're heading. And I think even more strongly this week than I did last week about that based on what Barry said, how he said it, and also that he said, hey, listen – these contract extensions that other guys have had, specifically Carson Wentz, are not going to be viewed as cautionary tales by us at the Browns because Andrew Barry considers Howie Roseman a great mentor, and he was with him in 2019. Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, hired Barry as vice president of football operations. He made you know mm-hmm. that one one year away from Cleveland before he came back. So he became familiar with with the inner workings of the Eagles and with the Wentz situation and Wentz getting traded to the Colts after that big contract extension that they gave him uh, in June 2019, not going to dissuade him from extending Baker Mayfield is, is his message. And I think that is another point that you have to consider when you're kind of picking this thing apart, reading between the lines and thinking, what are they looking at with Baker Mayfield? Well, I got to be honest, there, there's a function on what we record on a Microsoft Teams where you can mute yourself. And I, Nate, I had to mute myself a couple times there because I can't help but laugh at the amount of, you know, hoop jumping and deciphering and secret language and what they're not saying that they're actually saying kind of stuff that you have to do. Uh, as, as a reporter, I can't assume that was part of your your teachings at at Kent State when you got your degree in journalism that you would have to be hyper analyzing what a front office person is saying to find the truth, because I very much believe everything you just said to be true. You know, I, I think you're spot on with your with your analysis and your reasoning and this is also why I'm glad why we record this podcast, because what you just broke down to me is very hard sometimes to convey in written word, you know, like it, just the idea of like, this is, they, they didn't say this, so it means they're actually saying this, you know, like I, I was listening to. Dan Patrick yesterday and they had Dan Campbell, the head coach of the lions on and Dan Patrick was told, Hey, you can't ask specifically about Jared Goff because they're the trade that they're doing. With Matthew Stafford isn't official until, 
you know, when the when the league year starts later this month, yada, yada, yada. So they had to do like this hypothetical interview, basically. And then afterward, Dan Patrick and his uh, his guys on his show were like, you know, he kind of paused at this point when he when he said this. Could that mean that the Lions are actually going to draft a, a quarterback in the top 10? What does it really mean? So just the notion of of the you know hoop jumping that you have to do to try and come up with an answer is crazy to me uh first of all because you know i i guess that's why i say i wasn't getting a lot out of what barry and stefanski were saying because i don't see the layers of it like like you do and like you just explained so uh kudos to you i don't know if you have to take like psychoanalysis courses now uh or or whatever to try and understand this stuff but good grief i would go crazy if i were you well uh no one's saying i haven't gone that way (laughs) but but yeah no i think this is like this is the point of a podcast right because like I have to quote these guys, and I can't put words in their mouth necessarily, but there is such a thing in, in, in this role as a beat writer, especially nowadays, is, is analyzing, being an analyst too. And so, um, you know, I do think this is the perfect forum for it. And, and, and you know, that's how I'm interpreting this situation, and I, I feel pretty confident about it with, with Baker Mayfield. And if I don't feel confident with something, I'll tell you guys, I'll tell Dan, and I'll say it, you know, so our listeners can hear that. You know, I, I'm throwing darts a little bit here and, you know, but I, I just I, I will say that I will couch things in a certain way um, when I'm less confident. And, you know, this isn't, you know, 100 <laughs> percent guaranteed. This is exactly how this is going to play out. But I, I, I really think that this is the direction it's, it's going. Um, I just think that the more Andrew Barry talks about Baker Mayfield, the more he talks about him as, you know, a guy they really believe in. So, you know, to me, with, with and, and Andrew said it, 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 this is obvious, but he, he said it, most important position in sports, not just the NFL, but in sports. And, and when you have a guy you believe in at the most important position in sports, then, then you try to keep him. And I think that's where we're headed with this. Um, another thing, Dan, and it's just the more I hear Andrew say that he thinks Odell's a really good fit in this offense and a dynamic mm-hmm. dynamic player and wants him back, just reinforcing that over and over again, it's just getting drilled deeper into my brain that they really want to try to get a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. through a season in a Browns uniform for the first time. Hasn't happened yet. They have not seen a healthy Odell for a full season. And I've said on here before, you know, amid all the trade speculation, I have been leaning toward them keeping him and it's you know similar to kind of how I've been leaning toward the Baker extension this offseason you know I just I continue to feel a little bit stronger about Odell uh, you know getting another chance to be in that Browns uniform see if he can come back from the ACL and be the fit they think he can be so then it to me, it kind of seems like a lot of the kind of hate saying the narrative because that's so cheesy, but 
it seems like a lot of the at least fan opinion is that it's it's either going to be Beckham or Landry back and not both. So what what is your stance on that? Because Landry has a very small, relatively speaking, dead cap hit of $3 million if the Browns move on from him. I don't know Odell Beckham's off the top of my head. I'd have to look. But so what what's your sense on on that? If Beckham is back, will Landry also be back? Or is there gonna be an opportunity here that or a chance here that Landry is no longer a Cleveland Brown because it, it's a lot of money tied up in that position. They had to figure out Richard Higgins, who we've talked about uh, on previous podcasts. What what's your sense on on Landry then if if you feel that Beckham is gonna be back? My sense on Landry is that he's back for sure. Like I would be I would be a lot more surprised if 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 Landry were were gone than Beckham. Um, I just think that they view Landry as a heart and soul guy, that he is the epitome of their turnaround and the epitome of their new culture. And if you ever watch, and I know people who listen to this are into it enough that they do watch Building the Browns, the the kind of the behind the scenes show that the Browns put out. If you watch that, you're going to see what I'm talking about with Landry. And obviously people got a glimpse of it in Hard Knocks in Landry's first training camp with the Browns. But it's carried through and gotten just stronger and stronger year after year with him. I mean, you watch Jarvis Landry run off the field when they um, clinch against the Steelers in the January 3rd regular season finale. You know who greets him and is hooping and hollering with him? J.W. Johnson and ownership. I mean, that's, that's the kind of guy Jarvis Landry is. The owners seek him out to celebrate with him after the game. Landry comes off the field after they beat Pittsburgh the next week at Heinz Field for the wild card victory. Landry goes over to, to Peter John Baptiste, the, the uh, vice president of, of – uh, communications for the Browns, a guy I deal with all the time in, in, in my job. And, mm-hmm. and Peter puts Jarvis Landry on FaceTime immediately with Kevin Stefanski, who's with COVID in his basement, cheering his butt off because the Browns just won their first playoff game since January 1st, 1995. Landry gets the coach on FaceTime immediately. That's the kind of guy Landry is. That's how important Landry is. It wasn't Baker Mayfield or Miles Garrett. Or anybody else, Jarvis Landry's talking to Kevin Stefanski right away. Um, I'm just yeah. trying to paint the picture for people who don't know and are overlooking just kind of the bond that the organization has with Landry. It's no coincidence that he was a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee two years ago. They followed that up with making Miles Garrett this year. That was an organizational show support of Garrett's, you know bounce back redemption story, whatever you want to call it from the, the Mason Rudolph incident and the season he put together this year and the stuff he does with water boys and, and other, uh, you know, charity work. But Jarvis Landry was the guy the year before. That's what the organization thinks of him. So mm-hmm. that's my, my long winded way of saying they love Jarvis Landry. Um, 
he means so much to what they've been able to do here in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I mean, obviously 2019 was a dud, but let's just say, you know, he, he's right there with in the, in the, the arrival of Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward. It was Jarvis Landry too, bouncing back from one and 31 huge reason why. And so I think they're going to run it back with Jarvis and Odell. I, I really do. And then, then we can get into the the details of the rest of the receiving room, and that's where it gets interesting. Like Andrew Berry did speak about Rashard Higgins the other day, and says right. that he wants him back, but free agency can be difficult. I mean, the translation there is we want him back, but on a cheap deal. So if if he finds a nice market and wants to make more money elsewhere, we're not going to end up bidding more for Rashard Higgins. He can leave. We're going to draft somebody. We're going to draft somebody with speed. He doesn't have that. He has chemistry with Baker Mayfield. He has Baker Mayfield's trust. He makes nice catches. He has good hands. He's reliable. He's a fan favorite. We do want him back, but, you know, it's got to be a a really team-friendly situation for us financially to bring him back. So I think that's what you're looking at. I think you're looking at running it back with Jarvis and Odell. You have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who you like. Six-round pick really flashed at times last year. You're going to add to that group in the draft. And, you know, maybe you're able to bring Higgins back. Um, kind of know, sounds maybe, like, you do, maybe you do dip into free agency if you don't bring Higgins back. Kind of sounds like Richard Higgins might be starting to become the odd man out then, if you ask me. I mean, it, the way you describe his play compared to what the Browns need – to me, honestly, Nate, it sounds like Donovan Peoples-Jones can can do theoretically what Richard Higgins is is giving you. And you know, at the end of the day, I, I guess it's probably fair of of Barry to have that feeling of yes, we would like you back, but at the right price because let's let's just be honest with it, he's a number three receiver. Um, and you know, other teams might view him as a number four or number five receiver. I don't, I don't think the perception of Richard Higgins, while I will extol his virtues and his value to the Browns, any chance I get, he's a number three receiver, you know, and I, I just don't think he's viewed as, as being more than that. So I, I don't know, man, kind of, kind of sounds like. Unless it's unless it's really really the right deal, to me he could be odd man out here, which is unfortunate. But in in the business of pro football, that, that just me might be how it plays out. Um, so let, let let's stick with pass catchers then, Nate. David Njoku, he he was brought up during these sessions. Mm-hmm. What what's your what's your latest feeling on Njoku who? Someone emailed me, by the way, from our, I think it was our last podcast, and he thought I hate David Njoku, which is not true, but uh, I, I just think it, there's not a fit for him. So do you have any different sense on David Njoku? The David Njoku one's interesting because it's like... You laid it out perfectly last time. I think we kind of, 
we we came to the I guess crux of it, and that's that he seems like a guy who still wants out, just based on that Jim Rome interview, and you know, tweeting stuff like "whatever happens, happens," and and shouting out his his fans and saying he loves them and stuff like that in the same tweet. And it, it, it certainly seems like he's far from certain he's going to be here. And that $6.013 million that he's due to make on his fifth year option becomes fully guaranteed when free agency officially kicks off March 17th. It's like, mm-hmm. well, if he if he's really not all in with us and we can save that money that might help us, you know, bring back Richard Higgins, for instance, who we just spoke about or somebody else like. Doesn't it just make sense for us and for him, you know, if you're the Browns looking at it? And I think we we both said that, like, yeah, like. That makes sense. But then when they talk about David Njoku. They act like that's not how they view it. Like they, they they act like they really still want to keep him. So it's weird because like I feel like I'm I, I have a a good interpretation of, of Baker Mayfield and then Odell uh you know after that and then this one I I struggle convincing myself that we're really hearing um or i don't know getting the hints that that add up to logic so (laughs) i don't know i mean maybe they just maybe it's like andrew barry really thought so highly of him when he when he really was the, the chief talent evaluator when they drafted him and he really thinks in this tight end friendly scheme that there's just more to do with David Njoku. I think maybe that is it, but it just seems odd to me that they would just try to keep hanging on with a guy uh, who really has been at best non-committal about wanting to be here and flat out requested a trade. So last year, so I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. But, you know, he was Andrew Berry was asking about Njoku and about obviously Kyle Rudolph being available and, and said they were really happy with our tight ends. And I, he also, you know, he didn't rule out Rudolph. He said, we'll explore any opportunity that can help us and all that. And, you know, that was kind of the line that he gave about the J.J. Watt pursuit, too. You know, even that, that's done and over. But in review, that was that was about all he said on that. I just look at Kyle Rudolph and I just think a guy who probably knows this offense better than any of the tight ends who are already on the roster. He was just a fansky for, for nine of his 10 seasons in Minnesota. And obviously he was there when Stefanski was the offensive coordinator. And then when Stefanski left, he was there when Gary Kubiak was calling the plays this past season. And that's the offense that Stefanski brought here. So he knows it. And he's a two time pro bowler. I know he, you know, had an injury. I know he's 31, I believe. Yeah, he's 31. Um, might need to double check that before I say I know he's 31. I know I think he's 31. Um, <laughs> but 
yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, he is 31, Dan. Yeah. Uh, born in Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. Well, here, anyway, I, I just think that you know you could see you if you if you if you put it down on paper, you could you could see the logic in you know, well, let's subtract David Njoku and that $6 million and, and go to a guy with, with that familiarity because, let's face it, the NFL's a lot, I mean, a lot of times it's about familiarity, who you're comfortable with, scheme fit and all that, and I think those, those are the logical dots that are there that, that, you know, we can question whether the Browns are going to connect them. Well, look, I mean, the, the NFL, more, more times than not, is rich as these people are it's like any other business it's sometimes it's more about who you know than your ability so um but but my feeling on njoku is first of all at some point i'll figure out how to say his last name correctly but um it to me it's just the browns trying to maintain any trade value that there might be there with him by saying good things about him, you know? So if they can get something for him, even if it's just a day three pick in the draft, you you know, this front office would, would, would prefer that other than just outright cutting him. So, you know, because again, it's, it's a $6 million thing. And even if you are using half of that to sign someone like Kyle Rudolph, it's still $3 million you have to work with. I mean, we've, we've seen across the NFL this week, all these players getting just released or restructured or whatever. The Browns have been pretty quiet in that regard. So at some point, I wouldn't be shocked if they jump into the fray with in Joku move signing Kyle Rudolph for cheaper because I, I do think that's a very strong possibility and you know maybe that money now that you, you didn't sign JJ Watt maybe that little bit extra money helps you sign I don't know the second best defensive lineman in free agency or the third best instead of the fifth or sixth best free agent defensive lineman. You know what I mean? Like it gives them more options basically. And again, Joku's the number three tight end at this point. So what are we really doing here? Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly right. It's like what I'm saying is like the compliments are there, but they're not like really, really, really strong compliments like they are with Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield had 20 touchdown passes and two interceptions in the last 12 games. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? The production match matches the compliments and the praise. So that's why right. I'm reading that situation one way. And then when I'm looking and trying to interpret the David Njoku situation and the comments that are made about him, I'm like, I'm not as convinced that, you know, I mean, like I said, maybe there is a chance and there probably is part of Andrew Barry that still looks at Njoku and says, man, in 2017, we had all this data about what an athlete he was, and he is, and he's only 24. And, Dan, like you said last week, and I, I hope the emailer noted this part of your David Njoku analysis, you said you could totally see him going somewhere and, and really reviving his career and being pretty good. Like, 
Eric Ebron. Mm-hmm. I mean, you made that mm-hmm. comparison, and I would not be surprised. I would not bat an eye if that happened because I've frankly been waiting on David Njoku's freakish athleticism and talent to translate to the football field on a consistent basis. Just hasn't happened yet. Not saying it won't. Again, 24 years old. I think part of Andrew Barry might be holding on to that. At the same time, I mean, you said it. They didn't bring Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant here because they're convinced that David Njoku cures everything at tight end. So right. here we are. <laughs> yeah, it, indeed. Although I got to tell you, just thinking back to Barry's quote on it, him him pointing out that Joku's young is like it's like a an alarm goes off a little bit like hey this is an analytics thing the younger the better generally um so we'll we'll see I guess I I have to assume we'll we'll learn something about Joku here over the next couple weeks but Nate anything else from from these two press conferences that really stuck out to you we have breaking news oh no we have the browns tendered exclusive rights free agents tight end steven carlson so they can recover to onside kicks again nice like i pointed out last week and here you go dan ready drum roll Augustin, happy birthday, Dan Kadar. Yes, it's your birthday, and you get Porter Gustin back. Look, man, it's it's no Mandalorian cookies from the Akron Cookie Company, which thank you very much. They were delicious. I haven't eaten all of them, but anyway, that's exciting. So, do we we do we need to cut it off there so you can write that up and and get the news out there? Um, I, we can wrap it soon, but um, I do want to say that also um, NFL Network, uh, Tom Pelissaro reported today that the Browns do not plan to tender restricted free agent Tabby or Thomas, which is a bit surprising to me because usually when you see these restricted uh, guys, these exclusive rights guys, you bring them back if they're like core special teams guys, but we're dealing with the COVID cap. So maybe you see less of that. Maybe you see right. some of these guys not get tendered who normally would. Yeah, that that's a good point, and uh, some some tough decisions had to be made this off season compared to some others that we might see otherwise. But okay, Nate, I I think that actually kind of does it. I mean, unless you want to talk about Miles Garrett's box jump, uh, JJ Watt thoughts, um, and any, you know, either of those strike your your fancy? No, I just you know JJ Watt. I think I. I think I basically said it last time, like, so I kind of got ahead of it by saying that it, I didn't think it was going to be the end of the world if the Browns didn't end up with them. And I was trying to talk some Browns fans off the ledge who, who were just like so wrapped <laughs> up and invested in it because there's so many defensive end opportunities this year and, you know, free agency. And although he's a, a, a slam dunk, sure fire hall of famer, um, you know, he's, going to be a short-term rental because of his age and they might be able to get somebody who can be the answer opposite miles garrett for like the next four years you know with with this strong free agent class and then maybe even dip into the draft and in, in, in one of the first couple of rounds to, to really stack that position the way i think they need to um 
So I just think that it's, a, again, a good year, a very good year to be in need of a defensive end. So not the end of the world, although it would have been really cool to see him opposite Miles Garrett. And then what was the other thing, Dan? Oh, just Miles Garrett's box jump. Oh, box God. Jumping. Yeah. How, how high could you box jump? Oh, I could go God. like maybe like 20 over, inches. Maybe a milk carton or something. But um, <laughs> Miles Garrett better not get hurt. That That's my only take on it. I mean, that's Andrew Garrett <laughs> had to have been like uh, freaking out when he saw that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my strong take. And then also I just wanted to um, – you know, ask if you had any quick uh, UFO hot takes before we go. God, no, no, I don't. I I did like the anticipated Colin Cowherd reply from what's that guy's name, that Cleveland Twitter person, um, and then Colin Cowherd said basically exactly what that guy tweeted, which was funny. So no, I don't have any UFO hot takes. Uh. I'll just assume, well, I don't want to say what I'll assume, but you can just assume what I'm saying by not saying it. There you go. You can analyze what I just didn't say and conclude my thoughts. What what do you think is the truth out there? And has Baker Mayfield discovered it? Well, I think whether the truth's out there or not, um, I think that there will be some kind of uh commercial uh as a result of this <laughs> and i already put on twitter somebody pointed that out when i wrote a fun story about it today um somebody said a commercial you know has got to be part of it blah 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 and i've already just been hit with an epiphany that Baker's deal with progressive should result in a UF flow series. So, haha. Oh my uh, God. Bad joke there. But uh, uh. it makes a lot of sense when you look at it. Um, so, I think that there's going to be something along those lines. There's going to be a UFO commercial. Hey, look, Space Jam 2 or whatever it's called with LeBron is coming out soon. Maybe, maybe Baker's angling for a collaboration with Marvin, the Martian. Who knows? No, I don't know, man. I just know (laughs) that, uh, you know, I want to hear him talk about this more because it, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. And I don't think I've ever, no, I haven't. I've never encountered <laughs> I've never encountered this uh on the beat and that's the <laughs> fun thing, man. You just never know what you're going to end up writing about on a given day. It might just be that the starting quarterback tweeted he saw a UFO. Right. So, look, sometimes it's best when when these folks don't say anything. Uh, like Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, because who the hell knows? Maybe they would be talking about aliens, too. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll have another UFO update next week, or maybe we'll just talk aliens next week. We'll see. Who knows? But we will do that here on the Cover 2 podcast, here from the Akron Beacon Journal, Gannett, uh, Ohio. Anything else you want to call us that's nice, that will do it here for the podcast. Thanks everybody for listening 
and we will talk to you next time.